Welcome to the Steady On Podcast, where God's hard truth meets your hard story. I'm Angie Bauman, and this is episode 133, Radical Honesty. And with me today is writer, speaker, and podcaster, Manda Carpenter. Manda talks passionately about something most of us would like to leave untalked about. Manda talks about the need to take care of our souls through confession, because Manda knows the pain caused when sin is allowed to slowly creep in and grow until it takes over our lives. For Amanda, an absent father led to a craving for male attention, and that led to an affair early in her marriage. But also for Amanda, an understanding of God's grace for her led to sharing with her husband what she'd done, and that led to a practice of confession before God and others that has given her a confidence that she'll never make that mistake again. Our verse for today is James 5.16. Hear the first part of it in the NIV. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. Brene Brown says, shame depends on me buying into the belief that I'm alone. I couldn't agree more. The enemy wants us to bury our mistakes and keep them hidden so shame grows and creates distance between us and God. But God calls us to believe in the power of confession so that he might pour out the abundance of grace and love he has for us. It is our calling as Jesus followers to live a righteous and holy life, but we will mess it up sometimes. We will. And when we do, it's so important to remember to speak the mistake and the desire to turn away from the mistake to God and to others. I think you'll hear that reminder in Manda's words today. Let's listen in. Hello, Steady On community, and welcome into this podcast episode. I'm Angie Bauman, and with me today is Manda Carpenter. Manda, welcome to the Steady On community. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. It's a it's a joy. I'm I'm probably your first guest who's recorded in a vehicle. I think you are actually the first guest that I've had that's recording in a vehicle. But Manda's on vacation with her family, and she's trying to launch a book while she's on vacation, which I think is an admirable feat, <laughs> an, an admirable <laughs> goal. But uh, no, I'm. But we're delighted, yeah, that you took a little bit of time uh, to talk to us about your book and the message in your book. And I have been very Uh, I admire the way that you are bravely open about having an affair early in your marriage, um, what you've learned from that, what it's taught you. And you talk about, I heard you say that sin creeps in slowly. And now you know that there were things in your life that you are hiding, denying, instead of kind of getting to the roots. And some of that led to what, how you found yourself in in an affair in your marriage. And I wondered if you would just talk to us just a little bit about what you were experiencing then? Um, why do you say that about sin creeping in slowly? And and what would you say to yourself at, now that you know this? What would you say to yourself then? I um yeah, I love this question because no one like me wakes up one day and says, "I think today I'm going to have an affair," or "I think today I'm going to do something." that I shouldn't do. I think today I'm going to drive drunk. I think today I'm going to um, speak really poorly about someone I love. I, we don't make these conscious decisions. We don't wake up one day and say, I'm going to do this bad thing. Oftentimes, like you just said, that sin creeps in and over time lines get blurry. And I would go back and tell my former self, my, uh, who I was in the midst of that sin and that dark place, I would just say to her, um, 
you're, you're gonna, you're gonna make some really destructive decisions. And it's actually starting with these little baby decisions that you think don't matter. They actually do matter. I would probably tell myself, um, you're gonna, you're gonna regret this. Don't do it. Like, I, I wish I could just grab her by the shoulders and say, trust me. Um, this, this seemingly innocent encounter with someone, this seemingly innocent flirtiness with someone is not seemingly innocent at all. And it's going to cause havoc on your entire life. And so I would just urge that person who I was or anyone in that right now to not uh, justify and make excuses for and sort of brush off what they think are the small things. If you have uh, a point in your um, soul, in your spirit, if the Holy Spirit convicts you, even if it seems kind of ridiculous or silly, pay attention to that. Because actually that is where those big things that happen, that's where it starts. We don't wake up one day and consciously choose it. It starts when little by little over time, as you described, as I wrote in my book, that sin creeps in. And so, gosh, I just, I can't say enough how much I wish I would have been aware of all that was going on internally. Um, Instead of just maybe going through the motions with my faith, I wish I had had more um, sincere practices of being in relationship with God that were a part of my life from the beginning. Um, The ones that are a part of my life now that honestly do so much to prevent me from ever having major um, breaches of integrity or, or having some really consequential sin in my life. Does that make sense? Absolutely. It makes sense. And so I, you were a believer at the time when, when you had this affair, right? That is, do I understand that? Right. Yeah. So tell me, what did you experience some of those Holy spirit checks? What did that, do you remember like what that kind of felt like that sort of maybe that sort of early intervention, if I can say it that way, when the Holy spirit was trying to warn you that you were on some slippery, a slippery path there. Yeah, I do think there were some things along the way, but I will say that even as a believer, I wasn't, I definitely was struggling with what is the Holy spirit and what's not and like discernment. Um, I think that it wasn't until it was a little bit too late and some things had already occurred that I really started to feel that guilt, that conviction on weighing on me. But now in my relationship with God, here's, here's like a very easy difference to spot. Now let's say hypothetical scenario. I'm in a coffee shop and a guy approaches me and says, Oh, I love that dress. You look beautiful. Or, Oh, you have beautiful eyes or anything. I mean, to be honest, like men are very forward at times. And so there's occasions where I get approached and they don't notice that I have a ring on, or they don't care that I have a ring on showing that I'm married. And so, uh, how I handle that, those interactions is much different. And before I would really like, I hate this phrase kind of sounds crude, but I'd get off of it. It was a yeah. fix. It was, it made me feel really good. It filled me up. It did something for me. And now I'm very conscious that if I feel that same feeling, I right away go and I confess that both to God, to a mentor and to my husband. So there's now practices in place to say it right away. And I think that's huge because when we can say out loud, the very things that tempt us, that have a hold on us, they lose their power. Amen. Because the whole, the whole uh, thing about having secrets or living in shame is that it's this weird Stockholm syndrome where the thing 
holding you hostage and keeping you captive, uh, you start to think it's your friend. You start to not recognize how dangerous it is and how awful it is. And so you keep going back to it and you keep, you, you stay in it. Does that, I, I mean, I'm, it's such a hard concept to describe because these are such internal things that we're discussing today, but yeah, I think that the, one of the biggest differences now is I'm so in a conscious state of how, uh, different things that interactions and whatnot, how they're impacting me. And instead of saying, Oh, no big deal. Like that just made me feel really good and writing it off as, as no big deal. I really pay attention to, wow, that made me feel really good. And I wanted more of it. And that's something to pay attention to because that's not my husband. So that's problematic. And, um, it's been a journey. That's obviously one of the very large ways. This is even true in my relationships with friends. I used to use gossip as a way to connect or to try to connect. I used to talk bad about other people because that was a way to fill the silence. That was a way to what I thought was connect with other people was we could, you know, we would talk badly about someone and we, that was common ground for us. Well, what I learned over time is not only is that sin and destructive and unhealthy, but it's actually not even true connection. Um, And so this book that I wrote that talks about what you just described, talks about what I just went into as well. It's for all of us. It's not just for people who have experienced infidelity or who are even married or who share the same struggles as me. This is about all types of sin in our life, no matter what that is for you or me. What do you think? Do you know now? Can you say what that is inside you? Because I I think if you could, I think it's in all of us, right? What is that that makes us want that attention in the line at the coffee shop? What is it that makes us talk, have, have a false connection with someone over talking bad about a a mutual acquaintance or something like that. What is that in us? Do you know? I mean, I, I call it sin. Mm -hmm. I call it the, the, the part of us that totally needs God. And it's what marks the difference between a believer and a non-believer or it should. Okay. And, um, I think sin is anything that separates us from God. So if you're not sure if it's sin, does it separate you from God? Does it separate you? Does it, does it cause destruction or harm at any point in this, in this world, in your relationships with other people? Um, I think too, obviously in the book I talk about, I retraced my steps. I went way back in my journey with a counselor to my childhood. And so for me, I'll name my sin, uh, my addiction to affirmation from men, although not entirely my fault, um, because of a lack of a father figure in my life and just a lot of stuff that I got into in counseling, although not my fault, uh, becomes Angie, my responsibility to deal with. Yes. So, so when we talk about a relationship with God, there's grace upon grace upon grace. But if we just keep sinning and making the same mistakes over and over again, I don't think that's grace. That's cheap. That's cheap grace. I think that God loves us so much. He doesn't want to leave us where we're at. And so he says, yes, there is grace for you. Um, but there's clear instructions throughout scripture. And if you're in a relationship with God, I'm sure you feel that conviction on your heart that you can't keep living the same way. Uh, if you're going to be in a relationship with God, that just doesn't make sense. In fact, in the book of James, I love so clearly, I think it's James chapter five verses like 15, 16. It says that the evidence I might be getting my James mixed up, but maybe this is James chapter two. It's in the book of James. I know that for sure. It says that the evidence 
of genuine faith, of a relationship with God, is simply a changed life. So if there's no change in your life, I'm not sure how genuine or how real that relationship with God is. And so although we say, yes, I was in a relationship with God when I had an affair, what I will say was my faith looks so different. My relationship with God looks so different. I think what I thought was a relationship with God before was actually me just going through the motions. I was on autopilot. I was doing what I was told to do. I didn't have a, again, that word personal is so important because our relationships with each other all look differently. I think our relationships with God all look differently too. They shouldn't all be the same. There's not this one size all, um, one size fits all way to have a relationship with God. And for me in my relationship with God today, some of the things that are just as important as reading my Bible and, and, you know, using worship music to worship God, some of the most in prayer, some of the most important things for me are confession to, to not only God, but to other people that has been one of the most like life-changing groundbreaking earth shattering practices of caring for my soul and being in relationship with God that has brought about more transformation and spiritual growth than anything else. Single-handedly confession. Um, I, I, I know I'm going off. On no, a I, I appreciate so, I know. <laughs> I love that. And I so much appreciate what you have to say. And I, I agree. I think that it is sin in all of us kind of circling back to that. And I think that sin, a lot of times the temptation is, I'm curious your thoughts on this. The temptation is somehow I do not trust that God is enough for me. Mm. And so I have to get this thing from somewhere else. Right. And with that somewhere else looks different for us, depending on what, but it's that thing that like, I don't know that I can trust that you're enough for me. And so I might need to pick up this piece of something else somewhere else. Absolutely. Yes. You nailed it on the head. We all have voids in our heart and in our soul that honestly, it's, it's actually like a gift because that's exactly where God wants to meet us and fill us up and, and be in relationship with us. For me, that void was that lack of a father figure and that affirmation from a man. And so what did I do instead of trusting in the abundance that God would meet me there and God would fill me up and that it would be enough. I constantly was in pursuit of it through the, through this world, through other men. And, um, it was very destructive. It was destructive on so many levels. And I will say it didn't just start when I got married. This started long before I got married. It's just that it reared its head in a way that I've never experienced when I got married. And I think that's exactly what the enemy does in marriage. Um, so I shouldn't be surprised about it. Um, but also the consequences of my sin because I was married right. were so much more severe. It, it had conse- different consequences. Yeah. Yeah. And I hear you saying that it might've been the neglect or the lack of a father figure that is the reason that I do this or the reason that I feel this, but my relationship with God is the reason I choose not to do it. Right. Like there's this, we, and we can all do that, fill in the, whatever that is. This is why I do this. This is why the void is present. I recognize that I claim it. I see my weakness in that. And because of the power of Jesus Christ, because of what I believe about him, this is the reason I don't have to give into it, right? This is the reason that I choose, yeah, connection with him can overcome. Hey friend, I'm cutting in to say thank you. If you're listening to this episode when it first releases, we're about to celebrate Christmas and the beginning of a new year. And this year has been one of growth for me as an individual through the grace of God. And I want to take a moment to acknowledge and give thanks for the way he continues to pursue me and invite me to trust him more completely. This year has also been a year of growth for the Steady Young Ministry, and I thank God for his calling on my life, but I also want to thank you, my friend, because ministry growth happens when people receive what is being offered. 
you continue to listen and show up and reach out to let me know how the ministry is impacting your walk with Jesus. You are the reason we are here. And I thank you from the bottom of my heart. I also want to let you know that beginning in January, the Steady On podcast is moving to two episodes each week. On Mondays, we will have a Take It In episode that uses the step-by-step Bible study method to unpack our verse for the week. Many of these episodes will be solo, and sometimes my brilliant Bible Talk co-host Susie Crosby will be with me. Then Wednesdays will continue with this format, and we will live it out. We will hear testimony and teaching from fabulous guests who help point us to the faithfulness of God. So Mondays will help us take in the promises of God. Wednesdays will help us live out the promises of God. And I cannot wait to get started. From my home to yours, I wish you a very Merry Christmas. May the hope of the Christ child fill your heart with the joy that comes from knowing you are loved beyond measure by the one who was, who is, and who always will be. And now... Back to the show. I've heard you say that it was really important. You mentioned confession. I heard you say it was really important um, that you needed to repair so you didn't repeat. And so I'm wondering, would you unpack that just a little bit? What does that mean to you? Sure. Yeah, I think if we want to stop repeating sins and mistakes, we have to repair them. Uh, Part of repair is getting to the root of them. Part of repair is confessing them. You can't heal what you're hiding. So part of repair is coming out of hiding. I had to go through a series of steps looking back as I retraced everything for for the healing journey specifically. It was first, come out of hiding. It was second, uh, confessing. I confessed to God and then I went to a mentor and then I went to my husband. My mentor was largely to credit for really giving me the courage to come forward to my husband. Cause that was hard, but I will say coming forward is always better than getting caught. I think it's a big reason we were able to work through it. I mean, there's a, there's a whole other podcast episode to unpack on how my marriage is restored and how we've rebuilt trust and how we are thriving to this day. But what I will say is that there was a series of things that I think confession and coming forward were, were vital to that process. What are soul care practices? You know, your book talks a lot about soul care practices, and I know confession is a big part of your life and a big part of your story, but what, how does soul care relate to dealing with mistakes or confession? Would you just talk about that for a few minutes? Yeah, absolutely. So in my book, there are 15 soul care practices. And I think if you're going to care for your soul, I'm not necessarily saying they have to be in this order, but I kind of share the book in, in the order that was true of my testimony and of my life and my journey. And so that very first soul care practice is identify your hidden secrets. What I mean by that is identify what are the things that you really wouldn't want someone to find out about you? What are the things you struggle with? What are the things that repeatedly show up in your life that are hard and difficult or that you're ashamed of? That's a good starting point for how you can begin to care for your soul is just to identify it and find a safe person that you can name that out loud with, which is the second full care practice to develop a habit of confession. Um, and like I said, that is both to God, like regularly, daily, almost hourly, Angie, Angie, I am confessing something to God. 
Uh, if I'm going to be really real right now, I'm on a family vacation. I have been very frustrated with a certain family member at times. And I have thought some things that I don't want to think about this person and I'm human. There's sin, but I also don't want to like justify it because I've learned for me that just leads me down a really unhealthy path. And I also know God calls me to more. God calls me to be different. I'm not supposed to be like my friends who say they don't know God. So I need to act like it and acting like it for me. One small practice is to confess it to God. So I just took it to God last night. God, I want to tell you this. I actually journaled it. I didn't say it out loud, but just through a journaling practice, getting that off my chest and asking God to soften my heart. Instead of focusing on God, change this person. It's like, no, God, I know that for whatever reason, this is really driving me crazy and it's really bothering me, but God, would you soften my heart? I can't change that person. You're going to meet them where they're at, but God, would you work on me in the meantime? That has been hugely helpful. The, um, like, as you know, in the book, there's 15 soul care practices, but the third one is dig a layer deeper to find the root. So in all of my interactions and my conflict in my conflict in any relationship is almost never about the thing on the surface. It's almost always got a deeper. What's underneath that? that, My listeners hear me say that all the time. What's underneath that? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's so true Mm -hmm. because Angie, to go back to say, to go back to one thing you brought up about repairing what you don't want to repeat. I could have very easily to be, to be really honest, I could have very easily said to myself, okay, I'm never going to make the mistake of infidelity again. I know better. I want to be better. I love my husband. I want to be with him. I realize this is a me problem. I'm just not going to tell him because it's only going to hurt him. So I'm just going to move on with my life. I could have done that because to be honest, my husband probably wouldn't have found out, uh, based on the circumstances of my infidelity, but I chose to come forward, even though I knew it would hurt him because I actually knew that if I didn't fully repair, full repair, full repairing in that meant not just for myself, but with my husband, I owed him the truth and we needed to repair as a couple. Um, I would have probably ended up repeating that. I just think that if we really want to repair so that we don't repeat, if we really want to care for our souls, we have got to get radically honest and it is going to be wonky at times. It is going to feel awkward at times. You're going to think like, okay, that's a bit too much, but I I really just don't think you can take integrity too far. Mm. And that's what a lot of this is about. It's about living with integrity. And for me, a life of integrity is only possible through a relationship with God that calls me up every single day. <laughs> Do you live with any insecurity that you'll go down this path again? No, I don't. Hmm. Um, I don't, but I'm not confident in myself, but I am confident in my relationship with God. And what gives you that confidence? These practices? Somewhat these practices. Yeah. Um, in other ways to uh, not only by confessing to God, confessing to a mentor, confessing to my husband, then coming out publicly and sharing it, Angie, like that's a big deal. I am, I am shattering shame and I am, I'm shattering shame and I'm, I'm allowing my greatest temptations and struggles to be known because I have found that, that, that we can embrace embarrassment for the sake of freedom. I have found so much freedom in going first and sharing this. I would also say that a really like tangible thing that's helpful is that my husband and I have questions we ask each other on a weekly basis, three questions. I'll share one of them here. One of those questions that's so vital to the health of my soul and for our marriage specifically is 
we simply ask each other, is there anything weighing on you, convicting you that you feel like you need to tell me about? And we just hold space for that. And now we've set it up so that it's a safe space full of grace, but it's in those uh, minutes together every Sunday night that he can share with me if maybe there's an image that caught his attention online and he clicked on more images. Or for me, it's a space where I can say, you know, somebody that I talked to randomly, I started to have that feeling again, that feeling of like, I was getting my fix. Like they made me feel really validated and really beautiful. And by saying it out loud, it loses its power. And so it it almost becomes a preventative measure, Angie. Like to answer your question, no, I don't think that I, I know who I am in my relationship with God, I would never step outside of my marriage. One, because I consciously live, I live consciously in a completely different state than I ever did before. And two, because by living consciously and being in a relationship with God, I pay so much more attention to the Holy spirit. And I'm not, um, I'm not an easy target anymore. Mm -hmm. I was an easy target. I love the way you say that. And I really asked the question, not just so much to get into your business. Thank you for asking my question, answering my question. But I think, I think there's someone listening that is past something, but still the enemy taunts us, taunts her uh, with this idea that, you know, you're not that strong. Right. And if the right situation comes up, you'll fall into it again. And I think that the enemy really sometimes, and I appreciate you being able to say, no, I do not believe. I mean, we all know that sin is a temptation. We all know that we're that things are possible, you know, and that it does creep in slowly. But if we know it creeps in slowly and we do, we're vigilant about that slow creeping, whatever, you know, whatever that means to be vigilant about the slow creeping, then we can say with confidence, no, I will not behave that way because I hold myself accountable to the one who steers me in the right direction. Absolutely. Uh, before I let you go, I always ask this question of my guests, and I wonder if there's anything at all that you would share with us. I love to share resources about what you are reading, listening to, studying, anything goes that's keeping you connected and just bringing you joy right now. You know, I'm reading an early copy of a book that actually releases in October, but I do want to put it on people's radar because it's been really helpful for me in what it tangibly looks like to follow Jesus. And that is a book called Start With Hello by Shannon Martin. She has two other books that are already out that have both changed my life and and really given me practical steps to how do I love my neighbor, which is so much a part of being a Christ follower. And so her new book, Start With Hello, I'm reading the uh, an early reader copy and it is really good. I love any type of resource that simplifies and gives me practical steps to being a follower of Jesus. And this one is in terms specifically of how to love your neighbor. So yeah, I'm loving that one. Thanks for asking. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. Like I said, I just love to share resources and it always just gives us a little peek into your life, uh, what you're, what you're reading and what are you experiencing right now? So Amanda, I just can't thank you enough for your time and for your willingness to share what what are some really difficult pieces of your story, not just the affair. I guess I want to say this to you before I let you go, because it's one thing to share about a mistake. You know, when we share about our mistakes, um, that can be maybe embarrassing. That can be something that we have to like uh, deal with the fact that we've put something out there that doesn't maybe shine positively on our personality or our character or something like that. And so I I thank you for that. But even more than that, I thank you for your willingness to sit with us and say, 
this is what it means to take the time to understand why we behave that way, why we made that choice and how we can take steps every day to connect with the Lord so that we don't make those choices because he calls us to love. Right. And, and when we make those kind of choices out of that, like lack of trust that he's not enough for us, inevitably we will make choices that are not loving towards him, towards others, towards ourselves. And so I really appreciate you Amen. using, I, I, re, I mean that I really appreciate you using this thing that happened to you. As you said earlier, it's, it's, it was the thing, this was the thing, but it wasn't really the thing. And in order to not do mm-hmm. the thing anymore, we have to look at what, what created the thing. And so thank you for sharing your struggle and what you've been through, but also, especially thank you for encouraging us to look at the why underneath it. So that, cause we're all better for that. When we, when we look at the why and when we're able to confess it to the Lord. Yes. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. I really appreciate this. I love what it stands for and all that you're, you're doing and, and just the gift that you're bringing to the world through it. Thank you. Thank you. And listener, we've struggled with some technology things and Manda has been a trooper today. So I just, I just <laughs> want to throw that out there too. And Manda can be found at mandacarpenter.com. Her podcast is called A Longer Table. I love that. Her new book is Soul Care to Save Your Life, How Radical Honesty Leads to Real Healing. And all of that is in today's show notes and other places that you can find and follow and connect with her. And again, Manda, thank you so, so much for your time and for serving us today. Thank you. It's been a pleasure, Angie. I've loved my conversation with you. So thank you again. And thank you, friend, for listening. Until next time, peace. During our interview, I kept thinking about the day that Manda decided to confess her affair to her husband. And I think I know the feeling she had in the pit of her stomach and how she imagined that hurt she'd see on his face. I think I know because I've had those feelings when I needed to confess something I wish I'd never done. But I also thought about the other feeling, the feeling of that thing, whatever it is, losing its grip on your throat, because in the speaking it out loud, it has lost its power to strangle you. James 5.16 again, this time from the message, make this your common practice. Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you can live together whole and healed. Thank you, Manda, for your courage and your radical honesty. Next week, Dr. Sasha Shilkut will be with us to talk about setting boundaries with our time. Yikes, right? This was another important conversation for me to have. Sasha is an anesthesiologist. She runs a successful coaching business. She is an author and podcaster. She is a wife and a mother. And so she knows a thing or two about the chaos of a busy schedule. I learned a lot from Sasha, and I think that you will too. If you haven't yet, I'd be so grateful if you would follow the podcast on whatever directory you're using to listen. It only takes a second and it guarantees you'll see new episodes as soon as they drop. Thank you so much for listening. I pray wherever your day takes you, you are walking in the confident knowledge that you are a beloved, cherished child of God. Peace.